Welcome to B Squared, your weekly weather podcast. Meet Bonnie. She's from Oklahoma. Where the wind comes sweeping down the plain. A meteorology major and loves to chase. Meet Bobby. He's from Oregon. Going green. Greenage. Saddle up. You got it, boss. Oregon AMS vice president and a former TV weather producer. It's B Squared. Let's talk weather. Welcome into B Squared, your weekly weather podcast. I am Bobby in Oregon. And I am Bonnie in Oklahoma. And Bonnie, it's uh it's storm season. We talked yes. about it a lot uh lately that you know we're kind of waiting for things to happen and <clears throat> excuse me, they are happening. And yes. it kind of started with earnest midweek and especially as we got into the weekend. Yes. Yep. Friday was kind of the beginning, Friday evening. I know Kansas got it pretty good. We got some storms yesterday, and tomorrow's the big show. This That's what we're we're waiting on to see what unfolds for tomorrow here in Oklahoma. Yeah, and before we jump into what's going to happen Monday, um, let's talk about Friday real quick because there were some really big storms that fired up late into the afternoon into early evening. Uh, started in uh, far east Colorado into New Mexico, Texas, Oklahoma, and Kansas, and Friday, Nebraska too, right? Yeah, and in Nebraska, exactly. And so these storms started putting down tornadoes at a pretty, you know, decent clip. And we focused um, on one specific supercell uh, in Kansas. And, Bonnie, this thing was pretty. We have tweeted out uh, on uh, the weather podcast uh, Twitter feed uh, shots of the radar loop. I was live tweeting it as I'm sitting at work trying to follow along with this. But, Bonnie, this one, this one supercell put down three long track tornadoes, including an EF3, uh, which is uh, visible by, like I said, by the radar signature and the wind field that we posted um, on Facebook and Twitter. But then after that storm dissipated, it put down an EF2, and then that was on the ground for a while. And then that storm dissipated, and last but not least, a second EF2 was put down by the same storm. So uh, an impressive uh, supercell. Yeah. Yeah, I know. And it was so... Like it was textbook picture perfect on radar. Like it was just the structure, the hook, everything. It was. It, it didn't. It didn't even look real. It looked like someone had drawn it or something. You right. know what I mean? So it, yeah. And it was on the ground for a long time. Started here in the Oklahoma Panhandle. Of course, it wasn't in Oklahoma for more than five seconds. But yeah, that was an impressive storm for sure. And it looked the EF three looked like it took. Um... It took apart some houses that maybe look like they're manufactured, so uh, not you know not well built homes, just more of hey built somewhere and then you know put down on a piece of property. But the nice thing about this and most of these storms and the locations were it's mostly farmland and there's not a whole lot happening out there. So you know even with an intensity of EF three, which will relocate your house quite efficiently. Um, you know, we're lucky it didn't move through any major cities or actually move through any communities and do a substantial amount of damage. Yeah, definitely, definitely um, good that it didn't hit a well-populated area or any significant structures. You know, the the deal is, though, that points out a flaw in the, it does. the rating scale, though, is that just because it doesn't hit something means it's going to get a low rating. And I think that 
me and several other people out in the universe think that that's not, it's a little bit flawed in that aspect because it can still have that good wind speed. But if all it does is go through a cornfield, it's going to get a low rating just because it didn't destroy something. So, you know, that's a little bit, that skews things a little bit, you know what I mean? So I think that's a flaw to be examined in the EF scale at some point. And when you looked at the wind velocities of the storm and, you know, the really cool part about this storm is, it was super close to the Dodge City, Kansas radar. Uh-huh. You know, it was within, I want to say, maybe 30 miles. I, mean, I could be wrong, but I want to say that's what I what I saw when I did the little storm track tool. But you look at the velocities, and, you know, the gate-to-gate velocities were about 190 miles an hour. That's uh. a pretty impressive storm. And, again, if it's just churning through a cornfield, you yeah. know, that's a lot of corn that's being tossed in the atmosphere. But it's still pretty impressive. And, again... That's at, you know, according to the radar, a thousand feet, wherever the beam, you know, kind of crossed on that scan. But that's still pretty impressive. Yeah, exactly. And that's why it, it the rating being based off damage and wind speed is flawed right. because the wind speed is still impressive and still very strong. And just because no one has happened to build something in that particular location right. does not mean it was not a strong storm. And, you know, so. we have, and again, you mentioned other storms. Um, there was an EF2 that went through uh, parts of southern, uh, southwest Nebraska again. Mm-hmm. And it, had, it hit a couple buildings. And they're like, however, the, you know, the tornado rating is strictly based just off of that. Yeah. And had there not been any buildings there, okay, well, we would have said, well, you know, it was a strong tornado. Um, estimated wind speeds would have been X, Y, Z. But you can't really put a rating on it because it didn't destroy anything. Exactly. Exactly. So that's a little bit of a flaw. I mean, I understand factoring in it hitting structures because if it's a very well-built, strong, secure steel cement building and it gets damaged, then that means it was a really strong tornado. So I completely understand factoring that in. However, I think it should be one or the other or both, not strictly structural damage, you know? Right. And these tornadoes, like we said, were, you know, were long track, 20 miles long. 15 miles long, nine miles long. Um, that's that's pretty impressive, especially for one supercell. But any of those would be pretty impressive, you know, any given day. Yeah. Yeah, so. definitely. And I feel like that area of Kansas gets hit quite a bit, yeah, that southwest corner. It's kind of that area where everything kind of, you know, comes together real nice when you get that, you know, the warm air coming up out of the Gulf, you get that dry Canadian air coming south and uh, you get that dry line to spawn it and it just kind of storms pop yep so that's a very favorable area for sure right well speaking of things popping uh we're not to june 1st yet but the tropics are active uh as of just a couple hours ago disturbance number one has been identified by the national hurricane center and our friends uh down there in miami uh area of low pressure expected to form monday several hundred miles southwest of bermuda this system could develop into a short-lived subtropical or tropical cyclone late Monday or Tuesday while moving northward and northeastward. Environmental conditions are expected to become unfavorable for the further development on Wednesday. However, they will dispatch an Air Force reconnaissance uh, aircraft who is scheduled to investigate the disturbance Monday afternoon. If necessary, interest in, in Bermuda should monitor the progress of the system. The next tropical special weather outlook will be issued about uh, 8 o'clock Eastern tonight on Sunday when we're taping this. But, Bonnie, it's a 40% chance. And, hey, it's pretty good. Yeah, especially for, you know, early season storms. So, 
Yeah, definitely. So is, are, it's saying that if it's Wednesday and nothing's happened, it won't have any chance. Is yeah. that what that's saying? Yeah, usually, and, and you know, they say um, just based on conditions, and again, this is not going to be anywhere near the east coast of the U.S. It's going to affect maybe Bermuda if it does hold itself together, but then it's yeah. going to just get swept back out to the ocean. So, um, hey, you know, good first little storm for the Hurricane Center to – you know, get their best practices up to date. They're sending the Air, Air Force Reserves in there, so uh, good times. Well, if it's already getting going before June 1st, I mean, things are only going to get more active because, you know, yep. the waters are going to warm up and we're going to get deeper into hurricane season, so it could be an active hurricane season as well. So we'll see. Yep. We'll see what happens. You know, and you look at the Central Pacific, which was, you know, pretty busy early on. Hawaii had a couple storms that they were looking at. Um, and even the Eastern Pacific, they have one disturbance, but it has a 0% chance of a cyclone formation in 48 hours, just a broad or, uh, area of uh, showers and thunderstorms. So, you know, it, it's getting going and we're getting close. June 1st kicks it off. So we will see. Well, it seems like all the seasons have been trying to get going early. I mean, our severe weather season started in April, which I mean, it can, but I'm just saying, you know, May is our... right our main month but yeah it just so it just seems like every all the seasons are ready to get going so yep. we'll see well you know you're dealing with allergies so bonnie is not sick she just has the sniffles because allergies are kicking her butt and if you follow allergies or you have allergies you understand yes so. and that's that's oklahoma with the wind right. kicking everything up you would think though after all the rain we had yesterday the significant flooding which there's a good video from outside my house on our yes, facebook there is. Um, definitely go check that out. But we had some pretty good severe weather yesterday down in far south, south central Oklahoma. Uh, there was an EF2 tornado that touched down at 735 in the morning. So at 735 in the morning, in the morning, um, again, I'm not a, um, severe weather expert, but Bonnie, isn't that a little early for a it's tornado? It's a little bit early. Yeah. The sun has been up for not long at all. Yeah. So that was, and it, that's pretty strong. I mean, an EF2, that's pretty good, um, especially for 7.35 in the morning. But, yeah, we had a huge complex of storms that came through yesterday morning and lasted until about 1 o'clock, 1.30, um, that were off and on severe, off and on areas of rotation and stuff like that. But that one area of all that big complex of storms did end up putting down a little EF2, took out a couple of houses, uh, destroyed a few cars. Uh, along with that, though, we had hail, we had wind, we had trees falling over, uh, flooding, like I said. Um, so, yeah, yesterday was a pretty interesting day. Um, not as far as tornadoes go, but everything else, it was pretty interesting. So, Well, I guess it's then a preview for tomorrow, and that's kind of the big story uh, for, you know, weather people, weather enthusiasts, chasers, meteorologists. Anybody that has anything to do with weather, you've kind of uh, gotten the sense that tomorrow's the big day. And the reason why we say that is for a week or so, we've been looking at this series of storms that have been moving across the country. And Bonnie, it looks like all the ingredients tomorrow are going to come together to uh, basically produce one of those days that could go down in history. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Um, there's a few models pointing to some things that might disrupt it, but then there's a few models showing that it could get uh, a bit intense and a bit crazy. So um, the main thing with it is that it's not just going to be the typical, you know, 3 to 7 p.m. type of a thing. 
uh, it's going to be like an all-day, 24-hour event where there's multiple waves, but then, of course, one main round that's going to bring the possible discrete supercells that can take off and get crazy quickly. Um, you know, we've been in a moderate risk for several days now, and that hasn't changed. Um, there's whisperings about possible upgrade to the high risk, but, of course, that's just talk. So, you know, we'll just see what happens tomorrow. But, uh, yeah. Um, we're all kind of sitting on the edge of our seat. I know a lot of people who aren't weather enthusiasts in the area around here are getting nervous and scared, especially with this being the six-year anniversary of May 20th, 2013. So it's just kind of a coincidence that another high-end day is on the same as another historical May 20th event. So, um, yeah, there's kind of a little bit of, I don't even want to call it hype. I really think it could get pretty crazy and for the simple fact that nothing's changed over the past several days that the risk level has been the same the moderate has been there for several days and nothing has really changed at all because you know a lot of times it will um they'll talk about it and then as it gets closer they'll start to lower it or adjust things or move things and that hasn't happened so i would say stay very very weather aware tomorrow Right. And you had talked about, you know, people are starting to get the word out and it, they, it's been that way for a week, which is great. And, uh -huh. you know, usually, like you said, when we get to this point, you're like, OK, you know, the hype's not going to live it. But, you know, I'm, I'm going through and I'm reading the outlook from SPC, you know, and, you know, we'll just go through just quickly a little portion of this. And it's saying that the evolution of this early morning complex will impact the severe risk downstream in areas of Oklahoma, northwest Texas, through the afternoon and evening. A variety of the operational models in CAM suggest that some portions of this MCS will interact with the northward moving surface warm front and possibly slow its movement into northern portions of the outlook area around the Oklahoma-Kansas border. Meanwhile, most small solutions suggest the development of isolated convection out ahead of any ongoing MCS activity with the risk most evident across portions of southwestern Oklahoma and vicinity. These storms are expected to reside in an environmental parameter space supportive of all severe hazards, including significant hail, strong tornadoes, and this risk should maximize as long as discrete cellular convection can persist through the forecast period. This risk will become further enhanced by an increasingly strong low-level jet across the region during the early evening should storms maintain a relatively discrete mode. So, Bonnie, if you can keep these cells independent of each other uh -huh. without forming another MCS, mm -hmm. it's game time. Yes, yes, that is typically how we're going to get the higher end tornadoes and the more significant severe weather is if those storms stay separate. Cause when they congeal into one big blob, they're still pretty strong and still severe as far as hail and straight line winds go and things like that. But the, the tornado risk significantly lowers with that, at least for a high end tornado. Right. So we do, you know, that would be the key is for them to stay discreet, stay separate and that's what some models are showing, along with multiple waves after of strong squall lines coming through. And so I think that tomorrow and into mid-morning on Tuesday, it's going to be just a lot of rain, storms, severe weather. So I, you know, we're all getting getting our rears in gear over here for sure. Right. And if you go look and you look at the SPC outlook, you know, that, that target area is really 
you know, most of central Oklahoma down and toward the Texas Panhandle. But, you know, areas north of the warm front, and again, reading from the SBC, across Kansas and vicinity, steep mid-lap or steep mid-level laps race and strong vertical shear will support primarily elevated storms with a threat of large hail. Um, Steep mid-level laugh rates will also exist in portions of Colorado, although the development of any substantial surface-based instability will depend on convective evolution across the Texas Panhandle and vicinity. Storms in that area will have at least a threat for large hail. So, you know, yes, tornadoes and big tornadoes and long-lived possible tornadoes, um, you know, are kind of going to be the big story. But this is not just something that you need to watch out in Oklahoma and Texas. This is definitely anywhere from... You know, parts of Arizona into Utah, Idaho, Wyoming, Colorado, South Dakota, Nebraska, Kansas, Oklahoma, Texas, Louisiana, Arkansas, Missouri, uh, Iowa. And then you get up, you know, along the East Coast seaboard. There's even a slight chance for, you know, storms in upstate New York. And as you get into Connecticut and Massachusetts and Vermont and New Hampshire and Maine. And then, you know, two thirds of the eastern seaboard are under a marginal. So, you know, while the main story will definitely be focused in the plains, tomorrow's going to be one of those days where it's going to be really active. And yes, man, I can see the SPC office being packed with all the forecasters, all the right. watch and warning coordinators and everything. So, yeah, right. it's going to be a busy day for the SPC and for a lot of weather service offices across the country. Um, I will say that there are several billboards here across the state that are saying be prepared for severe weather on Monday. And so that's very cool to see, especially for out-of-towners who are traveling through or, you know, whatever that aren't getting the warnings and aren't listening to the talks from the weather people all week long, you know. So that's very cool that that is out there along the highways, along a couple of major highways. So that's very cool. Um, But, yeah, we are all just watching. I'm really glad I have my storm shelter. Um, trying to decide what to do about work tomorrow to see, you know, right. but we'll just see. We'll just see what, what it says in the morning is what I think I'm going to go by. Uh, Bonnie, what are the meteorologists in Oklahoma City saying? They, you know, <laughs> we've got some that are very good about discussing what's going on and conveying urgency without possibly inciting a panic there's a few that like to use very intense words like catastrophic and historically high chances of violent tornadoes and i just think some of that language doesn't create urgency it creates a panic and you need to know how to create urgency without creating a panic and some meteorologists know how to do that some meteorologists and that's a huge message, especially from weather service offices, is don't panic and don't be afraid. Be prepared. Use today. It's a weekend. Use today to figure out your plan. If you're at home when storms hit, what are you going to do? If you're at work and storms hit, what are you going to do? Are you going to pull the kids out of school early? You need to decide that now or early in the morning. If you're on the road and storms hit, what are you going to do? Like you just need to have all of that in your mind so that when something happens, you know how to act and you're not panicking. Be prepared is the way to do it. That's the best. That's the key. Well, Bonnie, I know you're prepared. And yes. you know I know most of Central Oklahoma is prepared. Uh, it's going to be one of those days where, you know, you wake up and it might not be going already. And you might, eh, you know what, don't, don't fall into that, you know, feeling of, hey, 
you know, it, it's not going to happen. I, I can tell you this yesterday. Uh, you and I were on the phone as I was getting ready to head to work. I just wanted to call and, you know, kind of get an idea of what you were thinking for tomorrow. And, you know, I knew that there were storms in the area up here in the northwest, but we had a couple of good lightning bolts and then a thunderstorm complex came through. Wind damage, a lot of branches down, a lot of debris blown around. It was pretty impressive. And the storm that I saw that had just missed me to the west ended up, you know, laying down a nice 50 mile an hour wind gust as the outflow. And so uh, it, you know, was a pretty exciting two hours for us. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, you don't have to have a tornado to have damage. And sometimes it's those winds that can really do just as much damage as a small tornado, especially when it comes out of nowhere. And so a good quick, strong 50 mile an hour wind gust. Yeah, it can do some stuff. It can knock some stuff over. It can knock down some tree limbs. I mean, if it's done just right, it might knock out a power line or two. So, you know, severe weather and intense weather comes in all forms. It's not just tornadoes. And so, and they can come out of nowhere like yours did. So, right. Well, it was an interesting afternoon to say the least. And you know, Hey, I I saw my first lightning strike of the season, so I'm happy. (laughs) Meanwhile, we've seen a million, but hey, exactly. No, who's well, counting? You know, it's right. not a contest. <laughs> well, we will be all over uh, social media tomorrow: Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, uh, with photos and you know taking pictures of radar loops and all that fun stuff. So again, please follow us: Twitter uh, and Instagram at Weather Podcast, and you can find us on Facebook at B Squared Weather. Bonnie, uh, good luck tomorrow. I am excited to see what happens, and fingers crossed that you know we get some nice storms, but no deaths and no damage. Yep. Yeah. We'll see what happens. Everyone stay prepared, please. Well, another fantastic edition of B squared, your weekly weather podcast. I am Bobby in Oregon. And I'm Bonnie in Oklahoma. And we will talk to you guys next week. Bye.